It's five o'clock. Time to get in the know with the biggest sports stories of the day. Here is your daily checkdown. Hit it. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. Victoria producing today. We got some portal combat. We got some freaking out with the Carolina Hurricanes having a cool-off period before the start of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's get it. The NBA play-in tournament starts tonight, Joe, with the 7th and 8th place games in the Eastern and Western Conference. we got the Hawks and Heat, 730. And then the Timberwolves and the Lakers are the late game. The winners of these games will be the number 7 seed in the proper tournament bracket. The losers are not eliminated. They will then take have the chance to play the winner of the 9-10 game. Mm-hmm. Then the winner of that game will be the eighth seed. You really don't want to be the eighth seed no. in the East. Probably no. the seventh seed either. Uh, the East this year, top heavy with Milwaukee and Boston. I know there's somebody out there screaming, but what about the 76ers, Joe? <laughs> Hardly. Doc Rivers, still their coach. I, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> but in the West, any I think anyone can win the West. Including the Lakers? Including the Lakers. It's funny. There may have been a ticket somewhere that has been purchased. Oh, I see now. On the Lakers. I see now. Maybe. That's interesting. That's interesting. Look, with LeBron James, it's always going to be a a draw. I do think that... They improved over the... Trade deadline. So with the Angela Russell, Austin Reeves. They they made moves that made them better. They did, they did. But are they so much better than? Here's but you I'm don't getting. have. They're not in the East. That's what I'm saying. Like a LeBron. If there's ever a, an argument that anyone would like to make about LeBron, yeah, and and his path to being the goat, he's always on the right side of the draw. Of course he is. Okay, that's smart. So when he was in the East, the East was weak. It helped him mm-hmm. have an easier path to the championship game. That makes total sense. And now. The way that it works out, he's in the West. The West is the easier side of the bracket. He has an easier draw. There's no there's no monster out there in the West this year. Yes, the Suns are the betting favorite that went out and got Kevin Durant. Yeah, but then Kevin but, Durant is is made of glass at this point. And we also saw Kevin Durant get exposed last year by the Celtics in yes. the playoffs. Yes. So it's not as if, like I said, there is no monster in the West. And then meanwhile, are the I guess the question is, are the Warriors functional enough? They, they listen, there are smart bets. They would be one of them. Yeah. But... When you start the year by having one of your star foundational players, cold cock, one of your up-and-coming up young players who you really need yeah. and ultimately was the difference in the championship series last year, it's not going to end the way that you want it to end. These are things I know. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. So I'm a weirdo who thinks about beer all the time. Probably explains my current state of dad bod. Because I drink too much beer. It is what it is. You're going to take this beer from that cold beer from my cold, dead hands one day. It's fine. It is what it is. Remember when we went to opening day at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park and we asked VP of Baseball Operations Mike Burling about beer sales in the minor leagues with sped up games? Because remember, the pitch clock has been in the minor leagues for a couple of years now as a test run for what Major League Baseball is now doing. And everybody's been lauding the faster games. I think at this point in the season, on average, Major League Baseball games are around 2 hours and 37 minutes, which is pretty good. They've shaved anywhere between 25 to 30 minutes off of game times, and everybody loves it. It's been amazing. And the pace of the game. Not everybody. Well, we'll get to that. 
the pace of the game is what reminds people of how it used to be in baseball, which is great. But what happens to beer sales? And when I when we talked to Mike Burling, I'm trying to remember the conversation off the top of my head, but he was he's like, yeah, it's fine, you know. More people are engaged. More people are coming to games, meaning that things will make up for themselves. Basically, saying they'll, they'll come to more games. They'll come to more games. Spend, it all works be itself willing out. To spend money, obviously. Exactly. It all works itself out in the long run. Whereas, if you come once and have a bad experience, you're less inclined to say, "You know what? I want to go carve out four hours to go see a baseball game." That's the minor league level. Major League Baseball operates at a different financial stratosphere, and they expect to make money at all times. And according to the in sports, all ways. according to the Sports Business Journal. Major League Baseball teams are extending alcohol sales into the eighth inning. Stadium concession sales have been down as the pitch clock rule speeds up game time. The law of unintended consequences, right? I don't... I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I love that. Going into the eighth inning? Going into the eighth inning. Yeah, I mean, the reason is obvious. You, you don't want any drinking and driving incidents. That's no. number one. No. I mean, number, Give me a couple innings to sober two, up. Then number two, you please. also you know, don't want them to overindulge and overdrink. One of the things that Tom Dundon had talked about, kind of tongue-in-cheek when he said that, was, that was the reason he raised the price nah, the, on uh, Storm Brew over ve- at PNC Arena. Very rarely do I have uh, guests leave me speechless, right? And Tom Dunn was one of them because I was giving him a hard time about raising the price on Storm Brew from five dollars to seven fifty. And, and he said it was a health issue. He was looking out for us, right? Because I said I'm like, yeah, man. At seven fifty, I'm probably going to buy one. Whereas at five bucks, I'm probably going to buy two or, or maybe more. three, maybe three. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. And you're better for it now, as he said, a health issue. I was like, damn it, man, you got me on that one. By the way, Storm Brew prices will probably go up again. Next up, one, two, three. Well, Jim Phillips is going to be the commissioner of the ACC for a few more years. We don't know how long. It's just being reported by ESPN that Phillips has agreed to a contract extension as the commissioner of the ACC. What this really means, Joe, is Jim Phillips, former Northwestern AD, longtime Northwestern AD, will not be the next commissioner of the Big Ten. Yeah. That's what this really means. Yeah, that, that is the news. And that now leaves the Big Ten in an interesting spot as to who their next commissioner is going to be. Uh, our, look, there's, there's to a recap there, just in case people don't aren't aware. Yeah, he was longtime AD at Northwestern. He was expected to mm-hmm. be their commissioner to to replace Jim Delaney. Instead, the Big Ten went off the grid a little bit, completely off the grid. Hired Kevin Warren, and he comes in, and quite frankly, you can't argue with results of what he did, mm-hmm. bringing that NFL mentality of, hey, wait, why are we limiting ourselves to one contract television partner? Yeah, We should really be spreading this out like the NFL. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, cuts a deal. They're going to add USC, UCLA the next year. And he's headed back. He's with the Bears now, I believe, as their yeah. team president. So so I am curious. I, again, we've only talked to Jim Phillips a handful of times. And the, the best I can tell is... Jim Phillips is a college lifer who truly believes in the cause. Yes. And I would That Im- is clear. I would imagine that it probably felt icky, if you will, the best word I can use on this, icky, if he had left the ACC after only what 3 years on the job to go back to the Big 10. And then is the Big 10 comfortable with Jim Phillips his philosophy. and his philosophy yeah. given what they had just done because if you think they're done with UCLA and Southern Cal, you are kidding yourselves because you brought up those short television deals. The smartest thing that Jim Delaney actually started, not Kevin Warren, right. 
was keeping. But, no, but he didn't diversify it the way that Warren did. That's yes, that was Warren's big play. The, but the smartest thing that ever was done by Jim Delaney was doing these short TV Five deals, deals. Yep. so that you can stay nimble as to where the television market is going. And this all ties back. Do you think? Let's let's play the mental yeah. exercise here. Imagine, if you will, the Big Ten's large goal from the presidents and the ads is that when we get to the next window and the grant of rights in the ACC starts to get more and more appetizing. Amenable. Sure. Yes. To, to leave. Can you imagine a scenario where the guy who is the commissioner of your conference, who then goes back to the Big Ten, only for, in what year is this, 2023, in six to seven years, plucks teams from the ACC? That would be bad, because I think that's the dirty business of the next commissioner of the Big Ten. Putting yourself in position to bring on more teams when college sports really does consolidate further, because that's what's going to happen. It's funny, I was talking to I was talking to a listener uh, at the airport on, on my way back from our spring not break trip. Not the burrito guy. No, not the burrito guy. Okay. Uh, this is an actual like local dude. Shout out to Chris. Him and his family, very, very nice. And he asked me about the ACC. He's like, do you really think it's going to break apart? I go, yeah, in 2030. But the grant of rights is fine for now. It works for now. It keeps everybody together. But don't think for a second that the exit plans are already getting cooked up now. Mm-hmm. And I always go back to a conversation that you and I had with Holden Thorpe, the previous chancellor at UNC, who understands and still understands today that UNC's brand, because this is what it's all about now, would be very sought after for a conference that wants to continue to add to their brand portfolio. And I can envision a scenario where... Especially the Big Ten, who would know what to do with Carolina and Duke basketball. Yes, they would. They would know the stage to put it on. Yes, Yes, they would. Yes, they would. So those are the things to keep an eye on. And I think it it would be really, really weird for all that to play out. And I think Jim knows this. And that's why he's going to stick it out with the ACC. Now, what are you going to do to save the ACC? Is there anything you can do to save the ACC? Guess we'll find out. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. Mortal Kombat! I feel like I need the Mortal Kombat techno music playing underneath when I, uh, when I do that. So today was a very newsy day on the roster management front. At Duke, we find out two news items. Kyle Filipowski is returning to the Blue Devils. Had his little announcement and everything else. Everybody's hype about it. Cool. But that created a roster crunch, which leads to Mackenzie Mbako, five-star forward who was committed to Duke to publicly state that he's requesting a release from his uh, his letter of intent. Okay. Got it. Let's start. Let's let's isolate this story first these roster decisions have been known and it's just a matter of working them all out i say that because we talked to john shire yesterday and you tried to get him to break news with kyle filipowski and what i didn't realize was he was indirectly breaking news about mbaco yes because when i had asked him about him yes nothing yes yes and he just played really well the nike Uh summit i know people were big on him and the way that he's playing and it's interesting that he did not answer the question about Mbako, and but there was a smile on his face when we asked him about Filipowski potentially uh-huh. returning. Funny how that works out, right? Yeah, and ultimately, I think this is the right deal for Duke, right? I mean, do, do we is Filipowski going to be 
a, a lottery pick even this year? No, and not next year probably either. But I do think the way that he will play next year, he will be a better college basketball player than Mbako as a true freshman. And that's a deal that that's that's the kind of deal that you got to make now if you're John Shire and you're trying to figure out what's the best thing for us. And quite frankly, you got to remember that the standard at Duke is not this year. Yeah. It's not making the tournament and winning one game. It's making the tournament and winning the tournament. Now to Carolina, where they're bringing in a three-year player from Louisville. Jalen Withers. Jalen yep. Withers. Uh, he averaged, what, 8.9 points a game, 5.3 re- rebounds a game. He shot, what, 41, like 41% and change uh, from three. Had a good first year with the yeah. Cardinals, had a down year his second year. Last year, a bit of a bounce back uh, to help his stock. I don't think he'll be one of their bus drivers. Mm-hmm. I do think this is a supporting cast type player who can shoot and who, who can help them because of that reason. That's, that's basically what they've added so far, both in Wojcik's kid and a shooter. A shooter but not going to be the star of the But team. not the guy. And now this with Withers. And then we've got NC State. With two bits of transfer news, one guy coming in for basketball and the guy leaving from football. Yeah, we'll Jaden Taylor first. coming in from Butler. This is one of those. He will be one of their stars. Yeah. He will be one of their lead guards. He replaces basically Terquavion Smith. Uh, averaged 13 points a game last year at Butler. Also fairly familiar with NC State. Scored 18 points in a loss to the Wolfpack in the battle for Atlantis. Meanwhile, Ben Finley is going to transfer out of NC State's football program. This one is understandable, but also kind of goes against what I've always been told about Ben Finley and his time at NC State. So it's almost as if somebody like sat down with Ben Finley and said to him, you know you have three years of eligibility Yeah, left. three, man. Three. Three. And if it's just one, you want to ride this thing out in Raleigh, collect all the things that are owed to you for beating Carolina right. in an emergency start last right. year. Right. Cool. But it's three years. This is a real opportunity for him to go to probably a school, probably out west, be a starter. He could start for three three years, just like his brother left Boise State and Mm -hmm. went to NC State and was a starter for three years. Gives him a chance to have a productive career. Yeah, because you know the whole the whole thing with Ben Finley and the way it was explained to me last year in an era where guys will transfer at the drop of a hat was he likes his role at state. He likes being at state. These are his guys. X Y Z. You know he like he's graduated. He's good. He's, he's he's living life. And to your point, yeah, emergency start. He beats Carolina. Who? I mean, does he not roll around NC State's campus like with yeah. all the free beer? We don't right? talk about the Maryland game. No, nobody cares not. about the Maryland because game. he beat Carolina. Right? <laughs> he was part of a Carolina win. So it's the three years of eligibility that, yeah, I guess. Are you really counting on being needed to be an emergency start for the next three seasons? It does, it does it, change a little bit in terms of, in my opinion, NC State, this, if they went into the 23 season with Brendan Armstrong as their starter and Ben Finley as their backup, then you can play MJ Morris in four games, redshirt him, preserve the extra year yeah, of eligibility yeah, yeah, that yeah. they were not able to do this year that would have been a pie in the sky dream now obviously with only lex thomas a freshman coming in the the third thomas brother and brendan armstrong you can't tell mj hey you can't play this year because you're gonna need him next up kane's back in action tonight it's gonna be interesting to see how they respond after rod brindamore their head coach called him out last night in a loss to the ottawa senators to follow up on one of the points that we were talking about in the Daily Checkdown, beer sales at Major League Baseball stadiums. According to the Sports Business Journal, Major League Baseball teams are going to extend beer sales into the eighth inning because the shorter baseball games are affecting concessions. And if we know one thing about Major League Baseball, 
They want all their money. And I was trying to recall the conversation we had with Mike Burling, VP of Baseball Operations uh, for the Durham Bulls, when we talked to him at Bulls opening day about that very issue with shorter games and beer sales and everything else. He made the point that you had pointed out. It was an overall impact. Better quality, more instances of going back. You're probably going to see the back end or the, t- the totality of beer sales over the season not be affected. There was one thing I was missing in Burling, thankfully, had texted me. He goes, don't, don't forget the savings you have on seasonal employees leaving early to make up for it. So all those reasons impact why beer sales for shorter games ain't that big of a deal. But again, I, I must remind folks, this is Major League Baseball we're talking about. At the big boy level, they want all their money. So much so, they're willing to put out terrible baseball teams and still make profit. That's what baseball is all about. We've already got some contenders, man. The Woo! A's are really, really bad. And can't wait to see how much money they make. Mm. Love that. Love that about Major League Baseball. Speaking of professional sports, the Carolina Hurricanes back in action tonight. And these are professionals. There are There is pride there. And the Canes should respond after last night's deflating loss to the Ottawa Senators. Here is Rod Brindamore, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes on the difference makers in the game last night. Tomorrow we started this terribly. Never really got going at all. I give the other team a lot of credit. They, they played a real good game, but we were just in quick city. Other than our penalty kill, which they were, those guys did a great job. So you're looking for a positive. They were, that's one of the best power plays in the league. And, you know, we were working really hard there. Uh, the rest of the game was pretty much trash, to be honest with you. That is fairly direct. So, Brendan Moore very rarely is as pointed as he was last night, but I don't blame him for doing so. And he hit the nail on the head about what bothered them last night. And it is a tell for the playoffs, which we all know, but it is a little eye-popping when Brendan Moore is saying it out loud again. I mean, we're not good enough to just kind of tiptoe around in the game. We gotta, we got to come out hard. That's what makes us you know, a good team. And, uh, I just didn't like the intensity at which we were playing the game, and then it showed. Obviously, you know, take a couple of breathers on the ice, and that leaves guys open. That's really all it is. It's taking that little breath here and there, and you know, like I say, you play a good team. They, as soon as you give them a little, you know, room, it's boom, and it's in your net. And you know, now we're fighting, trying to get back. And, you know, we always, always put a good effort in, but it's uh, those little breaths we're taking that, you know, that's got to get out of our game. Did Rod sound a little hoarse to you because of the Frozen Four or a little hoarse to you because he probably was ripping his squad last night? Probably a lot of everything there. Like you know, all the, the things? The, the four-minute uh, penalty to Stefan Nason that led to Ottawa's game-winning goal. I think that he had some issues with that one as well. I think he's animated, you know, not only in the game, but how the team is, is closing out this regular season. Yeah. You know, they're not impervious to everything that's around them, even though you, you don't have the pressure of playing in Montreal. As Jesperi Kokinemi pointed out, you still have your own pressure and mm-hmm. your own expectations. And while the Canes do have the second most points in the NHL this season, mm-hmm. in all of the NHL, the way that they're playing right now is is not going to be good enough once the playoffs starts. Once the tournament starts to win that cup, they have to find better goaltending, and they have to improve on the power play. When you are missing two significant por- portions of that power play because of injury, 
That's hard to do yeah. when you've already rotated through three goalies and you've tried to be like, hey, no, really, we mean it. You're the guy, Freddie. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 young guy. Come on in. You got it. The Russian Ruski. You got it, rookie. You know, look, it's hard to do. They're pros. But don't sit here and act like this isn't an issue the Canes don't know about. They know about it. Canes are one point up on the New Jersey Devils. They both have 80 games in the books. The Rangers have 81 games in the books, and they are two points behind the Carolina Hurricanes. Of course, what the Rangers lost their last time out, so that at least gave the Canes some breathing room. But it's still entirely possible that with two games remaining, uh, the Devils can overtake the Carolina Hurricanes and win the Metro. Uh, For a team as good as they've been all throughout the regular season, it would be alarming that they would have blown the Metro division lead. Um, That's how I would look at it. That's how, you know, that that's how I would look at it. Um, I could see an argument against that. And you give credit to the way the devils have been playing and the devils have been just as, you know, 50, 50 as the canes down the stretch. I know Adam gold was pointing this out last night on Stormfront and aftermath where the devils are five, four and one in their last 10. The canes are four, five and one in their last 10. Uh, it could be in a worse situation. It could be like the Tampa Bay Lightning that are 3-7-1 in their last 10 um, and losers of three straight. But I think what's going on here is there's nothing new about what's going on with the Carolina Hurricanes, as you stated, Joe. The third period was a microcosm of all the Canes' woes, okay? I think what's going on is that it's crystallizing everybody's worst fear of a, of a short postseason for the Hurricanes, despite all the great things they've done this year, the previous year, the moves that they made, everything else. Almost feels like a little bit of learning from last year, too. Yeah. Think about it. They struggled in the last month of the regular season last year, and I was I was questioning that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they struggled in the first round, ultimately do beat Boston in seven games. And then they go they play a New York team that, quite frankly, they were superior to. And they lost. Yeah. Seven games. Yeah. And you look at it and you go, well, why did that happen? And they tried to make moves to change that, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But you know, ultimately, the, you know, you could sit here and say, "Well, what happens in the regular season doesn't matter; it doesn't apply to the postseason." And I would just say to you, those twin concerns are still out there, whether it's the regular season and definitely in the postseason. 